difficult, 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 What's up? Oh, man. How's Nashville? Nashville is amazing, I have to say. I've been very inspired by the people here this week. Good. Um, How's New York? (laughs) I mean, it's New York. It's doing its badass New Yorkery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, should we just say what we're talking about today? Sure, (laughs) let's do it. We're already kind of doing it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, this week we just wanted to check in. With each other and with y'all, and we thought maybe, you know, our check-in will resonate. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But uh, this is like a big, there's a lot going on right now in our country, and it's not It's not just like a one-off podcast episode. It's like, we're done. You know, <laughs> it just yes. doesn't work like that. Because um, if you haven't, you have to listen to last week's episode, episode 55, Dear White Women. Um, it's really, you know... I'll say it. I I was really proud of ourselves for for doing that episode, and I think that it came out with a good message. And uh, I think we educated a couple people. At least I got a couple messages about it, which was very nice. Yeah, I think also like if anybody hears it and goes like, "You're wrong," <laughs> like or with from any perspective, we're always open to hearing. Um, you know, we're still growing, and we don't have all the answers either. Um, we're just trying to get those conversations going, which it seems like they are just with or without our podcast. It seems like people are having more conversations now, which is very hopeful because, you know, we need this stuff needs to change yesterday. Absolutely. In terms of the way we treat our fellow uh, neighbors and friends and family. Yes. Um, well, I'll any- start. Yes, with please. How please to- this is perfect. <laughs> I'll start. Well, um, before this, all the current events were taking place. Um, I had planned to go on a social distant camping trip with a good friend of mine. So we met in Tennessee in the mountains of East Tennessee. And for 24 hours, our phones, I didn't even know this, but when we, upon arrival, all of a sudden it was like no service, but I didn't know uh, what I'd be missing out on because everything seemed so tense when I left. So, but it was already planned weeks ahead. So I still went. And when I and it was it was great. It was really nice to be out in nature. Um, we were at a primitive campsite and we cooked all of our meals on a little campfire. And it was really great because um, I met my friend Julia, who is also a white woman. And we just had some really interesting conversations out in the woods <laughs> about what was going on. And then when I reemerged, all of a sudden my phone, you know, had all these messages. But then uh, getting on social media, it was that Tuesday where everyone was posting a black square but I mm-hmm. didn't know what was going on. So I thought Instagram was broken <laughs> at first because <laughs> I was like, why are all the black squares? But but then, you know, obviously sitting and, and researching and what that actually meant, I thought it was an incredible message to amplify black voices. Um, but yes, coming out of the wilderness and then all of a sudden looking at my phone and seeing black squares, I was very confused and, and wanting to, to understand completely what was happening. Um, but then also... <laughs> what our president had done that Monday night when I was in the woods was just unfathomable. I couldn't believe that that was, you know, I can't keep up. Wait, did he, was that the Bible thing? That was the Bible, the tear oh, gas. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, he's, just, yes. he's just so terrible. It's yes. hard to keep yep. up. Good right. point. That was bad. Mm-hmm. But no it was idea. just, it was just, you know, turning off your phone for one day to come out and have that was what the president had done, you know, 
tear gassed peaceful protesters just so he could do a photo op. I couldn't, you know, every day it's something else that's he just sinks lower and lower and lower and lower. But that really, I mean, my I was so proud of my mom. She immediately started calling all these um, Tennessee officials and and just, you know, as a Christian woman, she explained how um, unacceptable that kind of behavior I mean, he's certainly as for how horrible he is. He has been a really good, useful tool to get us mobilized because <laughs> people are speaking out against his behavior, even if they were not as likely to talk to speak about other things. If you know, if 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 the Christian delegation feels more motivated to speak to that, then at least it's something. You know what I mean? I wish it. And your mother's. I don't mean your mother specifically because your mother's very good about uh, speaking out about civil rights and things anyway but um but for other people like maybe some christians that were sitting sort of on the sidelines unsure about the protests when they saw that finally some people were like wait a minute this is wrong you know what i mean and it gave people so i will say thanks trump for (laughs) being so horrible that it makes people want to go out and do something about it i just Um, love calling him bunker boy though or a bunker oh God, bitch. The bunker thing is the bunker thing is incredible. That also so... happened when I was in the woods. Uh, like, yeah. I was like, wait, what? How how much did I miss <laughs> for twenty four I mean, hours? A lot's happening, like very fast. Uh, the bunker thing is funny because I it does not surprise me at all. Because of course he's that guy. Like, did it, would are you really surprised that he's hiding in a bunker? I would say no, but it's just so bla- it, it's you couldn't write a crazier script. No, you it's know? like. It is like a Hollywood script. It's like, well, I had to inspect the bunker at exactly this time of night. I mean, how dumb. After almost four years of being president. (laughs) And also being this president that talks about punching people in the face and being out there and fighting. And he wants other people like to do the fighting for him. But he hides in a bunker. So, I mean, you know, that's one thing, too, where I. I mean, this is sort of a fantasy, but the people that have supported him because they're like, yeah, we're going to fight. I hope at least they saw that and were like, what? He's a pussy, you know what I mean? Or something, because I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah, I saw Bunker Boy trending and I was like, what now? What? Oh, oh, God. Oh, what a little bitch. (laughs) And not surprising, though. I mean, come on. Did you think that any of us could punch him in the face easy? I mean, we're not going to. I know everyone's listening. I'm not. I have no plans to punch the president in the face. But a baby could do it. And he'd be like, I'm hurt. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't be able to stop it. Anyway, um, oh, I wanted to speak to the black squares thing Mm -hmm. because I was here and um, we normally release our podcast on Tuesdays and we promote that on Tuesdays. And so I I didn't even I guess one of the things that has been happening to me and I've had to kind of figure out the balance for myself and like is that like I was very much on social media. So you actually had a a forced break or you forced yourself to have a, a privileged break, for a break yeah. I would say. But you know, but a mental health kind of break. I think yes. that that's also not mm-hmm. all bad. Um whereas I just got immersed in it and on the one hand, one of the things I think that's really cool about social media and like the technology that we have nowadays is that there was one night for example where the Portland protests have really been especially troublesome um and not the protests themselves but the way that the the protesters are being handled by the police is especially troublesome but um i was watching then live facebook feed footage at like three in the morning and i'd be watching footage from this woman's balcony because it was happening outside her apartment you could see from that perspective and then there'd be like another facebook feed that would start like another uh 
live stream that would start and it would be somebody who's in that on the same block totally doesn't know this other mm -hmm. person but is in the middle of the actual protest so you could see all these different perspectives in another state and um watch it in real time for your with your own eyes and see like really what's going on and we that's not something that was available to us in the 60s you know right. so it's really uh it's that has been, I think, one of the things that has really helped this movement so much is that people can actually see. And then on top of that, obviously, all the video footage that people are taking of the police brutality that's happening at the protests and the instigators who are instigating the right, you know, the, the looting and stuff like that. So that's also so useful to have that footage now and, and be able to really call people out in a way that because unfortunately, I'm, you know, we someone might say, this is what's happening and people don't believe them, right? So you're like, here, look at it. Right. Here it is right now. Um, but sorry, but back to the black square thing on Instagram. So I was on the internet anyway, but at three in the morning, because that's what I've been doing. Um, and people started posting that black square. And at first I was like, okay, it's like one or two people. And then even as the night was progressing, it was like everybody was starting to post it for the for the Tuesday day. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> because we had something to promote that it wasn't so much that I wanted to promote the podcast. It was that I wanted to promote that episode because I thought that episode was going to help contribute to the conversation. But then if everybody's jumping on this bandwagon about like, we're not going to post anything tomorrow, then it I just was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because I don't want to be the outlier and then get called out. You know, we're in that weird internet world too, where you can get called out for doing the wrong thing. And, you know, you get kind of like, oh God, what do I do? What do I do? And I also had this feeling immediately. I was like, this makes no sense to just not post at anything in the middle of a time where we're trying to protest and have a voice to just silence ourselves. And it was really unclear at first what the purpose of this thing was. And I was seeing... Certainly, I've seen a lot of white people posting the boxes, but I was even seeing black people posting the boxes. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. Like, and also, we need to get information back and forth through the Internet about the protests like more than ever. So I was feeling that right away. But I still kind of gave in. I was like, I don't know what I don't know. I don't have personally I didn't have anything to post. that was so important, um, like a protest information. But I definitely felt unsure. But I went along with it and we did the black boxes and stuff. And then um and I made I personally made a comment just being like, I don't really believe in this as a way to protest. And then it became more clear, like I looked it up too, that it really was supposed to be originally the idea was that it was more like you said, amplifying black voices so that people if they had something useful to say and especially black voices giving them a space to be heard. That's really cool to like have it be all black, except for like black voices saying what they want to say about these subjects or anything. They want to say, really. Uh but it wasn't really happening like that. <laughs> like the message hadn't gotten spread clearly. And it that was one of the first things that I noticed about how it highlighted how troublesome the Internet can be, too, if the message isn't spread properly or that everyone kind of can it, almost like I don't want to say mob mentality, but there's something about everybody kind of jumping on the bandwagon without thinking something through. And uh, it, it was that's an interesting thing that's also been happening during this period where um, people want to help, but it doesn't always manifest in something useful unless it's done properly. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I felt this week was a lot of you're doing it wrong sort of actions, whereas people's intentions were right, but 
things were kind of getting a little bit confusing or and I think with social media if there's a social media campaign specifically that intends to do good so the black square thing was to meant to take a minute from your personal social media postings especially as white people then to amplify black people's voices and then it had to do with a certain hashtag and then if you tag the wrong hashtag it was hurting you or I don't know I was very confused but also I I think the original idea behind it is awesome right but so here's what's like and this is what's complicated about it is that the original idea definitely is awesome that's great there's there's no doubt that there's the intention is good but the thing about the hashtags was that people were hashing at Black Lives Matter, and that was filling up the um, feed of important protest information. Like if you were trying to join a protest or if protest leaders were trying to communicate with each other or with other people about what was happening in a, a protest that was happening now. Let's say someone was in an escalated in, uh, situation with a police officer and they were trying to spread that information quickly they were having a hard time doing that because the the hashtag was getting so inundated with black squares so it was actually dangerous to do it wrong and and that's where it's important to for us to know that just because you have what is it the the road to hell is paved with good intentions Right. Mm-hmm. Like that it, a good intention isn't enough. You have to be able to support the right thing or else. Right. If you do it wrong, it actually can be you can make it worse. You know, what I mean, you can make something not good. So I don't think there is there's also sort of a thing about like there has been some shaming that's like, oh, you haven't been to a protest and like you need to get your fucking ass out there, you stupid bitch. And it's like, that's not helpful because that's what that sort of staying in your different lanes thing. We had seen that. There was a meme going around about how we're all trying to move in the same direction, but there's different lanes to get there. So if protesting is what moves you, go protest. If you're an artist and making art about this moves you, do that. If you're more into, you know, showing up at the at the councilman's meetings, do that. If you want to make phone calls, do that. But as long as we're all moving forward in the same direction, that's fine. The problem is, like, if you do a square, a black square and you think you're helping, but it's hurting it, you're not moving the thing forward anymore. You're sort of like blocking it. And it's now we're having a discussion about black squares as opposed to like the actual topic that we're supposed to be talking about. You know what I mean? Right. So I think those are some of the problems that have been arising with social media. And part of that is just that people have to be able to think at least a little bit more on their own, as opposed to just jumping into action mindlessly, I think. Right. And especially like, look, I did it. I'm done. Totally. And that is a very common social media mentality with a lot of different things right is that it's national donut day and everyone posts a donut and then like we you know whatever (laughs) yeah exactly so it's like that's sort of how we've been conditioned to use the internet it's like get on board and do the donut you know and then we are doing the ice bucket challenge everybody throw ice on yourself great does anyone know why we're doing that i'm not sure you know what i mean but like that's sort of one of the dangers and yet it can also be this great way to amplify information Mm -hmm. and yeah well, another place that that was a problem later this week was the um, that eight can't wait campaign that, um, again, was 100 percent good intention, well intentioned. And it, maybe you're still supporting that campaign. I don't know what if people even know about what that campaign is. Maybe we should explain it more. Well, I believe on was it Wednesday night this past week, Wednesday or Thursday? I think it was Wednesday. 
June? I don't even know what day it is today. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But um, the Obama Foundation actually had a conversation with um, uh, former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, President of Color of Change, Rashad Robinson, Minneapolis City Council Representative Felipe Cunningham, and MBK Columbus Youth Leader Playon Patrick. And then it was moderated by Campaign Zero co-founder Brittany Packnett Cunningham. I might have butchered all those names. I'm sorry. But so anyway, uh, they held this conversation um, on YouTube Live and they together announced this campaign called Eight Can't Wait. So I watched it and I was one of the ones that I mean, I really legitly was excited. I was like, okay, well, you know, these eight things that you can do now that you can hold your your city officials, your local officials um, responsible and accountable for eight things that the police can be, you know, you can call, make sure your mayor is supporting these eight things. So we sort of got into it, I guess, because you had posted um, – the next day about like, well, before, you know, did you post about I it? I posted initially? promoting it initially. Promoting Because I also it. was mm-hmm. like, I was sort of unsure, but I was like, well, everyone's posting it. And um, yeah, and also like, of course, I want those eight things. Of course. Right, know? right, right. And so I think for, for me, it was, I mean, I still support it. And I think that, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of research of, you know, there's both sides to it of saying that it's not enough. It's clearly not enough to actually make any change. But then the people now that started the full thing are kind of coming back and saying, look, we know that so much more needs to happen. And that this ask is actually very small. However, we have to start somewhere. And this is where we can start today. And so that's the idea that I can still stand behind is that, um, it's actually pushing people to think more outside of the box because these are things that the police should already be doing and some are already they're supposed to be doing. Um, but now I think that they're trying to push for even more reform with the with the start of these things. So and my argument and, and I'm not and you're not wrong. I think that that's your perspective on it. And that's valid 100 percent like i don't even disagree with what you're saying but my point was that um yes it's not enough and yes these things should already be implemented but my argument is that they already are implemented like obama even said in that speech that he did a lot of these things already he put them into practice he he really pushed for these things and then he even admitted he was like but there was no follow-through from like the Mm. states and then the best he and that's really the bigger problem in terms of reform is that if there's no follow through, then it doesn't matter what the rules are because the police have so many resources in terms of not having to be held accountable for these their actions. So, like, for example, I I just looked this up myself because I was wondering as I was like rethinking this. But it turns out that one of the eight things that they're asking for is um that you how do they phrase it uh duty to oh duty to intervene right so uh one of the eight can't wait is duty to intervene which means that if you are a police officer who's observing another police officer 
harming someone for like no reason, then it is your duty. Like legally, you're supposed to stop them. And as we saw, and that's in Minneapolis, that's already been a policy officially for a while. And we saw in Minneapolis, it didn't matter. You know, they weren't they weren't going to intervene. They weren't going to they didn't intervene. And then George Floyd died. So I think the argument against putting too much energy into these small things is like we said, one of the problems with the Internet is that people will jump on a thing and support it and then they kind of forget about it and then they start posting pictures of their lasagna again, you know. So if the president instead had talked about also then there's a whole conversation about is reform even what we're what we should be doing you know, I, there's a. I think I've fallen out on the side that reform is useless, and that that's not going to make any real change, and that this defunding, these steps towards defunding, in some cases, in some towns, possibly dismantling the police units would be important to do. They're gonna. It seems like they're moving toward taking those steps in Minneapolis. I'm very curious to see how that's implemented and what happens moving forward. Um, but that I think that the idea is that if you just start pushing this small, these small peanut kind of movements, that that then takes up space so that people can't have a conversation about something bigger, something more more creative. Because you're saying that you think eight can't wait is like a good thing to make people think outside the box. But I think I would argue that it actually is not outside the box at all. It's like the thing we've been doing for at least since Obama was in office, and it doesn't seem to help. So I think that that's something just worth, and as a listener, you may have lots of thoughts about this or that, um, but it's worth like exploring more so everybody can have better ideas of what they're actually supporting when they support something like eight can't wait. Um, also, I feel like we should talk real quick at least about what it means to defund the police, because that sounds really crazy to some people that it's like, what do you mean? You're just going to like get rid of the police. How are you? And then people are just going to run around like crazy and then they're not going to be any, you know, there's no s security or anything. And not at all. That is absolutely not what the plan is. And I do recommend the Philippe um, Cunningham's portion of that Zoom specifically. He does a really good job of explaining what that means, what what the steps would look like to move toward defunding the police. Um, but one of the main the things that I think is like a good starting place to think about it is like, for example, if we had more services that were like that, if that money that we take from the police departments and we put it into community services like mental health services, not only could that prevent some things that happen in the communities uh, where the police then have to come and intervene, but also like let's say you're walking out on the street and you see a guy about to jump off a roof to kill himself and you go, oh my God, I got to do something. I'm going to call 911. Imagine a world where you call 911 and say, there's this guy, and then they're able to send you a mental health expert as opposed to an armed police officer, you know, and that that's a community group that is in the same way that the police are supposed to be a community group, right? So when I say community group, I don't mean just like some hippies that come by and are like, I'll help you, man. I mean, like people that are professionally trained for that specific thing. Um, or if it's some, if there's a noise complaint, that then there's a group that comes out for that and that those things are community led and that they're organized, you know, within whatever their needs are within that community. So it would also be community specific, probably to for a lot of uh, places. And this isn't like a one size fits all kind of plan, you know, and some places maybe don't need much police and maybe some places like New York City, we may have to have some police officers because we have a lot of people and when you have a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff that happens. And it's not saying that 
there's no use for a, an armed officer, but it is saying that having police in schools is not necessary. <laughs> we don't need to have an armed officer scaring your children and, and, and assuming your children are criminals. And you have good stories about that. So you know that like something like that is just like not not the way to do this anymore. Well, I found this one quote. Um, it's from former Dallas police chief David Brown. And he says, we're asking cops to do too much in this country. Every societal failure, we put it off on the cops to solve. Not enough mental health funding. Let the cops handle it. Here in Dallas, we got a loose dog problem. Let the cops right. chase loose dogs. Right. Schools fail. Let's give it to the cops. That's too much to ask. Policing was never meant to solve all those problems. And... um. Yeah, I think starting with police in schools, they're putting police in schools because, or at least where I used to teach um, deep in Brooklyn, it was airport tight security. So just imagine your 13 year old girl going to high school for the first day and you have to first be like you take all of your stuff, put it through like airport like, you know, security system. Then they have a wand that they're doing on you as well just to go to class. And, you know, why are they doing that? They're I mean, they're assuming or they're they're putting their prejudices on the children of that. They're treating them immediately like criminals. And so what does that do to someone's psyche? I think that if you really want to protect your children and, you know, I mean, th that's a whole other thing with education and and having police in schools. But it it just it does more harm than provide safety for them I, I 100 percent. and i think also someone might argue like well there was violence in those schools and that's why they put in the police it's like okay so then let's take the resources that we're putting into the police and put them back into school so that we can help de-escalate violence in a way that's good for children i mean these are children we're talking about and not just be like well let's just throw somebody in there with a gun and it also perpetuates this really weird idea of like what the police are supposed to do you know what i mean like i've thought i've been spending a lot of time of like what is the role of the police and i think that in we've gotten so far away from what the original ideas of like the protect and serve that's what they're mm -hmm. supposed to be there for they're supposed to really be members of the communities our community, all of our, the commu our community of the United States of America, right? They're supposed to be members of that and then uphold that protection and the service to all of us, right? Mm -hmm. And that means all of us, not just like the white rich communities. And of course, it, that's how it's like then been leaning uh, for, for since. And there was a lot of, this is an interesting thing that I don't know enough about, but I've been sort of starting to touch on it. But the, just the history of what police um, have been why there have been police in the United States and what started police. And there's arguments that say that policing started to chase down and criminalize and, you know, punish people of color to protect white people. So that if that's mm. like, if that's how we started the police forces way, way back in the day, then that has been like institutionalized in the police forces. And to me, it's just another reason why we just take that whole thing apart and then rebuild mm -hmm. it. Right. Well, I've been getting it's I'm getting confused, to be honest. Mm -hmm. There's defund, mm -hmm. there's reform, and then there's abolish police. Mm -hmm. So for me, my stance is dismantle and then rebuild. But that I don't know what where exactly I'm falling these days. Well, dismantle, I think, is great. But then, of course, just to clarify Re for a listener that um, that means that then it is replaced. It's not just like, no, we don't have police. It is replaced with uh, protection services that come from a community 
ground up kind of area. So that then again, what I was saying about what are police, they are community members that protect and serve the community. So that's sort of we would be basically starting a new police force um, with a whole different mentality. So there's that. The other thing about defunding the police would be that it's like a it's a more moderate approach, which is saying that we take we put so much money into our police forces at the expense of programs that are actually really useful for communities that might even prevent a lot of this violence or this cr- or crime or whatever. Um, if, if, you know, when that is happening, that um, if we can reinvest in the community and sort of s- make the police force smaller, have it be kind of what it is, but smaller, and then also try to have do some of the reform stuff like the eight can't wait that then um we can start moving towards solutions and move away from like just having such a crazy police presence and for example one thing would be take them out of the schools so it's not it's not about that wouldn't necessarily be a dismantling thing that would just be like put you like like that quote you said which is so perfectly said is it's like we're asking cops to do too much anyway right so it Mm -hmm. even at minimum of defunding at minimum uh that is uh, it's better for the police. It's better for the individual cops. So I know a lot of cops are like, they're trying to take away our jobs. They're trying to take away our jobs. I'm like, we're trying to make your life safer too, mm. you know, or mm-hmm. that's how I feel about it. Some people are like, fuck the police. But I mean, and that's fair. Um, but I think on, t- I think there's a, 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 if you're really looking at it holistically, then you can see that this is a better system for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because right now we're all in all communities right now because of COVID are in a budget crisis. So everything has to kind of be rebuilt anyway. It's perfect and we're time. Looking, yeah. It's the perfect time. So that there's a huge silver lining to this whole global pandemic is that now we're I've I've to be honest, I have to be honest. I've never looked at my local budget. Oh, I mean, before. I haven't either. <laughs> I had no idea. No. Okay. Okay, good. No, I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> I feel I was a little bit about- of it. It's just nothing. And then actually looking, especially New York City, the amount of money they pump into NYPD. And and I mean, I was an educator for so many years and I I worked in development and I worked on um, writing grants to support our nonprofit. And I mean, I, I still I think that things like Opening Act, look up this nonprofit, things like Opening Act, going into um, high need schools and taking, you know, high schooler stories and making them into plays and sharing them with communities of people and understanding where they're coming from. Like that, that is what we need to be investing our money in. And it's just incredible. You know, when I worked for them 10 years ago, of just how much work we had to do to, f- to get funding. Right. And then now looking at the budget, it's, I'm just surprised that I never looked at New York's budget when I was begging for money for our program yeah. to see how much is actually going to NYPD is just astounding, astounding. And I, I think sometimes it just takes like, sometimes you're, I was talking about this with my roommate the other day, that like some of this change mentally, internally it takes like steps like you don't fully put the whole picture together. That's what we're kind of experiencing now is we're like, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that because we haven't fully put it all together, you know, um, and now we're starting to do that. So that's great. And I think it's great that you firsthand got to witness what a community program can do for the community so that it gives um these kids a voice it gives them an opportunity to talk about what they're dealing with and so that they are able to put that out in a way that's productive as opposed to you know self-harming in some way whether it be that they get into some sort of trouble with a gang or they steal a thing or whatever it is um 
or even if they just find, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's all these there's, or even if they just are approached by a police officer at gunpoint, even though they've done nothing, where can they tell that story? What does that do to mm-hmm. a person when no one hears you, that story? You know, so I think that that I think that, that I think Opening Act is a perfect example of a place that those resources would be better served. And if and if you're out there going like, oh, you're going to put it into the arts, like like that doesn't protect you from whatever. I'm like, well, we'll also put it into mental health services, domestic violence services, um, you know, any kind of sort of violent whatever services. And again, if you were to totally dismantle the police departments, you would replace it with something that is there to protect you from the big you know the big real crimes i'm not saying there aren't bad people out there that do bad things but this idea that it's mostly black people that do bad things is insane like we gotta just stop doing that stop saying that stop thinking that way and here's a question another question i've been having this week is that you know we've been pumping so much money into um militarizing our police force but then we also have the national guard right so so yeah. So I I was wondering about this and I was talking to somebody and I don't know, I need to look into this more too. But one thing that I heard was that some some of it we actually pay for like their their some of their budget does go to like tear gas, which we that we're realizing now <laughs> how fucked up tear gas is and how how much damage it does. So that's not especially during COVID, by the way. Like that what a horrible time to be tear gassing people randomly. Um pulling down their masks. I mean, clearly if anybody hasn't seen in some of these videos, it's just been I don't want to traumatize you, but spend a little bit of time looking this stuff up about what's happened in the last week with the police brutality against the protesters because that's nuts. Um, but I would say uh, that apparently because of the industrialized complex around militarization, there's been a lot of like extra machine guns and like extra tanks that they just like donate to these police forces. So it's not even that that's not even in the budget for some of it. But why does some small police force in Kansas need a tank? I remember a couple years ago, I don't know if you saw that, but it was some small police force like got it, procured a tank and was like driving it out for something. We're like, what are you doing? You're not against us. You are part of our community. That's the mentality you're supposed to have and clearly don't. And the other thing that we witnessed during the protest was that the National Guard has been trained in like very well in de-escalation. And they've been trained to if somebody throws a bottle at them, they know not to shoot right away. You know what I mean? They know to like keep calm and that's what they're good for. Um, And the, the military just generally, whereas police forces aren't trained for that. They're just not trained for that. So they're hot headed. Not everybody, but some people can be really hot headed and then just start attacking and pushing. And um, I don't know if you saw that video of that elderly man who he came up to the police to give them one back one of their helmets because they had dropped a helmet. And I think he was chewing him out a little. But then the guy just pushed him. He stumbled, hit his head, and the the amount of blood in that video is crazy. And then when someone went, one of the cops went to go help him up, and another cop stopped him, and then none of the cops helped to get him up. That is not protect and serve. That is not being part of your community. That is not um, reasonable anything. That's not reasonable. And something like the National Guard or some of these people, they actually are trained in that. So if we need the National Guard, we have them. We don't need the police to be the National Guard. The police, that's That's not their job. Right. And that is what I've learned this week is how much we do need the National Guard, but then how much we have to reform the police in order to not. But we have the National Guard where we're good over there. Now, let's get back to our protect and serve in other ways that really are part of the community. Exactly. Exactly. So and I mean, OK, I'm going to go off on this other weird thing. But like I listen to a lot of crime, sure. true crime yeah, yeah. podcasts and stuff. And 
I've been seeing a meme floating around, like, and I can't remember the exact statistic, but number one, it's saying that uh, I think it was one in three or one in four strangers that kill people as a police officer. Yeah. So what, I think the statistic is something that, like, uh, if you are, if a person is murdered by a stranger, yes. one in four of those stranger murders is done by a police officer to someone they don't know. Right. But then there's other statistics, and this is where it goes to like listen to all these crime podcasts and stuff. But like, y- usually when it's when there is a real crime, like a murder mm-hmm. or something, it it more times than not is um, someone in the community that they know. It's not a stranger, right. actually, and frequently it's, it's their some- husband or their wife or their you know what I mean. Like that's right. the most common thing, right? And so since we know these statistics, and we uh, listen to them on funny comedy podcasts, also. That's a whole other thing about police, too, is that when they're called for like a really, you know, traumatic crime, um, if they know the community within their inn, you know, people that then they're they'll be able to solve the crime better. Yeah. It's almost I mean, it's it's really rebuilding a real community aspect of protect and serve. And it, it just made me think in a different way of like, oh, wait a minute, you know. We know how crimes work, or at least, you know, if you're listening to My Favorite Murder, right. um, it's usually somebody you know within the community. Yeah. So if the if the police know people, know the community, are really part of the community, like every Saturday they go and help the community build houses and things, then then crimes can be solved easier, I think. And honestly, the, mo- the most high profile crimes of, as of late that have been caused by strangers to strangers have been like there the mass shooting in uh, Las Vegas by that guy from the hotel during the festival, that kid that shot up the um, church, the kid that shot up the school. Those are the kinds of crimes that are like stranger on stranger. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And those are all done by white people. (laughs) So like, what are we talking about here? Why are we, you know? Right. But also, I mean, a whole other issue to talk about too is just the for profit, how prisons are for profit. I mean, that is, and 100% that's, a part of this problem. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I was learning about this week as well, of just follow the money. And it's, it really just all has to do with money. Yeah. Which is so sad. And that is not what this country is meant to be founded on. No. And I think also, just also in terms of like protecting your employees to the at the rate that the police protect their own, Um is really problematic because we're seeing more and more. You're like, well, why is that guy pushing that guy out of nowhere? Well, because it attracts kind of psychopathic. Be- not every, I'm again, not every cop. Some cops go into copping be- for the right reasons, absolutely. But then there's some that actively go into it because they know that they can do stuff and not be held accountable. Right. You know, and there is some talk about how there are a lot, and we know this kind of already, but that there are a lot of uh, white supremacists that are cops and that they kind of tell the, each other like, hey, a really good way to move forward our white supremacy agenda is to join the police force because then you can do, you can kill black people and you won't get charged. Whereas if you're not mm-hmm. a cop, then you might go to jail. We'll try to protect you. But, you know, uh, you might still not go to jail, but like, you know, it's, but your chances are much higher. You won't go to jail for sure if you just randomly kill black people uh, as a cop. And people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like a known thing within the white supremacy community that that's a way to move forward their agenda. So it's like, that's unacceptable, obviously. And we have to, you know, and the and then there's a whole conversation about police unions right now because they're, again, very, very holding strong adamantly, like in support of their workers, which is what a union's supposed to do. So, okay. But we can't, we just can't work with that anymore. That's just not. Right. It's not viable. Right. 
Um, another mm. thing I just wanted to throw in there real quick that I learned this week. I went to a protest yesterday, actually. Uh, a couple things I learned. One, don't go to a protest by yourself. That was real dumb <laughs> on my part. Um, I kind of, you know, you kind of hear about protests and you're like, yeah, this is going to be great. It's like peaceful, right? And whatever. And um, I showed up and all of my friends are either out of town because of COVID or some are working, but like a lot of people are just are moved out of the city. So I didn't have really anyone to go with. So I was like, but I'm going to go. I'm just going to go anyway. And I wore my glasses because they say don't wear contacts because of the pepper spray, wear comfortable shoes, whatever. So I like showed up. And but again, I'm thinking like this is going to be like fine and whatever. But then immediately like they read you your rights. They tell you like this is what your rights are. So if you get arrested, they had us write um, a, 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 the phone number of a lawyer law firm that was helping people if they do get arrested. So everyone had to write on their arm this phone number because you're you're just like, oh, this is real. <laughs> this isn't like shalala, like we're all just going to like be happy and love each other and walk around, you know. Um, and then the woman said who was running it, the women that were running this thing were so cool. I was so impressed with them. Um but she said full out, she was like, I just want to make this really clear. This is not a peaceful protest. And I was like, what? what? Oh, my God. What am I like, What am I doing here? Like, what's happening? And and what does she mean? And then she clarified. And she was saying, like, it. she's like, I want you. She's like, especially you white people. She's like, I want you to stop saying peaceful protest. She's like, for two reasons. One, peaceful protests tend to be equated with like rich people and pe white people. Um, and that then that means that non-peaceful protests then are equated with people of color. So, so that's already problematic. But then in addition to that, if you say peaceful protest, then there must be another kind of protest, which is not peaceful. And her point was like, a protest is a protest. You are protesting a thing, you know, and it's peaceful until it's not. And if I think about like how we were walking down the street, then was it did I feel peaceful as I was shouting fuck the police <laughs> like no I mean that's not really what that's about and I think that that speaks also to people that like we had all these um curfews in New York and in different cities across the country and there would be like police violence maybe after a curfew and then everyone loved to like be like well you shouldn't be out after curfew well you shouldn't be out. and it's like this is a protest this isn't about following the rules. This is about speaking up and working, you know, fighting for something regardless of your of whatever the rule is. And again, I'm not I don't know. I guess I, I was going to say I'm not against like keeping curfew, but I, I am against. I mean, I personally am too chicken shit to like be walking around after curfew. But like, I think if people are still protesting after curfew, that's because it's a protest. Right. There's not a right way to protest in that sense. And it kind of comes back to the Colin Kaepernick thing. It's like you didn't like that. That was the wrong way to protest. Right. For some people. And it's like, well, but that would talk about peaceful protest. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, that, I'm going to still think about that. But I thought that that idea of like saying keeping keep keeping pushing this idea of like a peaceful protest versus the rioters and the looters. It's like we're missing the point if we're like too focused on that. And I hadn't thought of that until yesterday. So I thought that's something I'm going to think more about. Well, also, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and I listened to Pod Save America this week and they were just saying that the media obviously pushes the violent protests because it's it's a story. Yeah. Um, and it, then it really just takes away from really what what is at hand and why people are protesting. So don't let the media, you know, yeah, and just fool don't get into the like if you're going to waste your time, if you want to argue with people, about stuff, that's fine. But I'm realizing, too, that this if we get stuck on it's almost like a semantics thing of like um, 
these violent looters and these whatever. It's like, who cares? It's such a small percentage of the people out there anyway. Um, right. But again, labeling the people that are out there as peaceful. I don't know about that. You know what I mean? I'm, st- I'm going to still I'm going to look into how I feel about that fully. Because I think well, I'll it, tell you, yeah, I think it, I think you're trying to demonstrate to people like, look at these good people. It's like they're just people. We're all just people like it, and right. we're mad. And, you know, why are we not allowed to be mad about it? we should be mad about this? You should feel not peaceful in that moment. You should be like screaming your ass off, you know. Right. Well, my dad's been calling them parades. So that's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Linda, there's another parade. Well, I mean, that's like, kind of okay, nice. That, I, no, I kind of no. like that, but it's a different thing, I guess. <laughs> Um, well, I have to say, I've been really in awe of protesters. And I think here in Nashville, I didn't, I haven't gone because I'm staying with my parents. But and that's actually another reason why I want to get back to, up to New York immediately, because I do feel like it's very important to protest. Um, because that is what's amplifying everything right now. To, and, and I do think it's really brave. And I had some friends organizing the other day uh, going – they've been having so many protests here in Nashville. And it's been the very – the biggest one it was 20,000 people came out. And it was because of, I believe it was six teenage girls, t- teenage women uh, that organized it. And it's the youth that's really doing a great job with these um, – a lot of these protests. But – um. I just have to give it to people that are going, my friends that organized the other day and went, they have to organize like, you know, getting babysitters and things right. because they're nervous to bring their children. Right. And, and then I have seen that some people are bringing children. And I think that's great, too, yes. as long as you feel comfortable and safe and stuff. But I think protest is protest right now is the most important thing we can do right now. I mean, email, call your local officials, you know, put your money, donate to organizations, these professional you know, or community organizations that are uh, organizing protests and things. I think that's amazing. But I think actually showing up is, to me, that seems to be the number one thing to be doing right now, if you feel comfortable. Right. And I think that that's the thing is it's like, I, I do think that that is one of the reasons why we've gotten so much movement in the last week or whatever is the physical bodies being out in the streets being like, fuck this. So, I mean, yes, I t- could not agree more with that. But I think also like the other thing I was very aware of when I was out there was like, oh, we're in a pandemic <laughs> too. You know what I mean? Which is insane. It is insane that we're dealing with multiple things at once, like huge, huge, huge things like that. And I will say in at our protest, everyone was wearing masks. Everyone was very respectful of that. And they thought mm-hmm. that was like, that made me feel better. But I was like, oh, I might get COVID here. And I told my roommates, I was like, I'm sorry, I like I'm going to get tested in a couple of days and see what happened, because you just I just don't know. Um, right. So you are putting yourself at risk in different ways. And I think there's also there's there's people that feel really strongly about being out there on the streets. And again, I'm encouraging people to do that. I'm encouraging you to to participate in different kinds of approach. There were also like I was talking to my roommates yesterday. There were so many different things happening. There was a um a meditative protest in the morning that she went to. And then as she was walking home, she came past a church that was having like a a musical protest. It was like a music thing. The one that I was at, they were kind of labeling it a block party so that there was like a person DJing from home and then it was being live streamed through Instagram. And then like it was I think the idea and it kind of culminated in front of this building where people were like dancing and that was sort of the way that they were doing it. But the protest itself was very much like in the street and in your face. And it was also very, I, think, in, I just want to mention, sorry, no. I was because I was also alone. Don't go to a protest alone. You don't. I mean, I know everyone there was like there to, you know, was going to support me if something went really wrong, I guess. I hope I'll assume. But you should definitely have a buddy or something because I was like, oh, this is I'm not that. Car-. And I had to walk an hour to get there. That's the other problem with New York is that I don't have a car. 
and the subways are weird right now. So I walked an hour to get there and then I had to walk home and it started at like 6 p.m. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to make it home before dark. And like I don't know. It was like a whole thing that I was like, I didn't plan this well. But um, uh, but the oh, oh, but as a white girl that has, you know, the protests we've participated in are like the women's march and stuff like that or like variations of the women's march. And I never felt like we would be attacked. Do you know what I mean like by the police or anyone? It didn't feel unsafe at all. And to be in something like this, and we there was one part where we were walking under the Williamsburg Bridge, and there was just lines of cops, and we're we're entrapped in like a in like a, a small space for a moment. And this is like not even as big as you know nothing happened at this one. This one was totally fine and totally safe, and it was not a problem. But to even like really be in the middle of it, and then like we're screaming "fuck the police" at the police, and you're like. Again, as a very sheltered, privileged white woman, I was like, wow, like I this all of my instincts are like, don't yell at the police. Oh, my God. They're, you know, like, that's not a good idea, you guys. But like, that's not what we're there for, you know. Right. So it was like so I think that I guess my point is that like it's not it's protesting may not be for everyone. But th- and there's other ways you can help if you feel like you ne- want to do things, too. Well, I so. believe they're doing a I, th- I think it's Nashville and maybe across the country, but um, they're going to be. S- promoting a stay-at-home protest and so you can do it in your front yard and so if everyone comes out and they're in their fucking yard yeah so try come, come at me please <laughs> well they you know you, but on a side note the police have been arresting people for being on their stoops on their own property well, I'm t- oh in yeah. new york yeah in new york i don't so, think they do that probably in not in tennessee but- and you should do it go do that thing for sure i think and i think you're right that there's there are different ways to do the protest so that i went to one uh closer to my apartment a, a couple days prior where um it was the whole point of it was like this is a protest for people that are worried about covid so it's like a social distancing protest so they made a you know they really tried to make an effort to be like we're going to like just be standing or we're going to be standing far apart but we can participate in this way and then you can see crowds there's crowds of people showing up and like putting their bodies out there too so i think you're right actually that that you don't have to be in the middle of some place where you're worried about getting arrested there's other and you can even like put together your own protest with your own friends and like depending on where you're at you know um i like the i like looking at where the money is going right now and and making sure that i'm not spending my money towards people that do not have my best interests at heart or black people's best interests at heart you can now see there it's floating around everywhere and it just takes a second to Google it. But just see who's been these big businesses who are donating to Donald Trump. Just take a look. And, and you know, if you've quit going to Chick-fil-A, that's good. Let's quit that. Uh, but then also let's let's stop some other things like, I don't know, there's a lot of people. I mean, it was like McDonald's, Wendy's, all these fast Burger food chains, King, yeah. Urban Outfitters, uh, which we've known right. for a while has been a problem. And I don't know, I've been sort of turning a blind eye like an idiot. And I'm but that's a good that. way to protest. If you can't such a show way. up on the street, make sure, you know, protest with your money. It's such a good way. And also you can, and when you spend that money not at McDonald's, then take it to a black owned business. Right. I think right. that's a great idea. And Yelp has done a really great job now, too, is that you can easily look to see where black owned businesses are in your in your community. That's so great. And then order from them. So yeah. this week, I think, has been, you know, it started off really. God, what a fucking weird president and awful human being. Um, and then the, all the protests, I mean, the police brutality that was happening. But then there has been some real change in just some just one week. Yeah. So I am hopeful that. Yeah. 
we're on the right path. Yeah. And a couple of things I just want to throw, just list a couple. There's so many things that have changed. But like, just remember that the chart because of the protesting, because of us speaking out, because of us doing something, the charges were upgraded against uh, the officer that killed him and that the other officers were charged that's happened within the span of time la and it wasn't going to happen otherwise la introduced a motion to reduce the lapd's budget their budget at the moment is 100 uh, 1.8 billion dollars and they're going to reduce i don't know how much how much they were going to reduce it but that's at least moving in the right place uh the they a lot of officers have been fired and charged because of the videos during protests that have been taken so that's something people are talking to their families people are talking we're having this conversation that's a huge thing that's happened because of this and also there's been protests all over the world that have sprung up in support of the united states and also other countries are realizing we have a problem too so this is i mean this really has i feel very inspired and motivated and hopeful we have to continue to be diligent but um well, I got an email from our comptroller, Scott M. Stringer. Um, I had emailed him about the budget. And I got an email back last night saying that um, he was going to propose, this is in New York City, but today I'm calling on the mayor to cut $1.1 billion from the NYPD budget over the next four years. That'd be great. So that's what they're proposing I mean, to. So I mean, this that's is- the right direction. We'll yes. see. We yeah. know. We got, but we got to stay on it. And I have a plan. I want to be more active in um, showing up at some of these meetings and these, you know what I mean? I think for me, that's something that moves me is like being more active within my specific community and joining some community groups that are directly affect my, the, where I live, you know? Right. Right. Well, well, great. And everybody, I just want to say too, is that everyone, you know, is, is, able to protest in their own way everyone is figuring it out in their own way we're gonna there's gonna be missteps there's gonna you know there's no right or wrong way about going forward in all this but also but we just have to go forward that and you have to everyone needs to be taking some sort of action whichever action that may be but now is not the time to be complacent no i couldn't agree more and if you do make a misstep then uh, this is a really good ter- time to learn how to be humble and say, oops, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Let's let me rectify it. And it's if we make mistake, let oh us my know. God. You have to hold us, hold us accountable. Please, we we're love just, that. We're just trying. You tell, know, us what, when we're, we're t- tell us we're wrong. We love it. <laughs> oh, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, um, we know it's been a rough week for some, so uh, might as well check out this website and just pleasure yourself for just a little bit. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Relax. It'll be a good way to relax. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Enter offer code HORIO at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies. Ooh. Plus, free shipping. That's Horio, W-H-O-R-E-O, Horio at adamandeve.com. All right. Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you do have any comments or anything, any stories you'd like to share, uh, please send it to difficultwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us also on Patreon. Uh, we have some exciting new things over there. It is under Reformed Horse. So if you go to patreon.com slash Reformed Horse, you can support us that way. Anything else, Katie? Yeah, you, you covered it. <laughs> I love it. We All love right. y'all. Love you too. I mean, and you, I love you, you too, Maria. Love, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Goodbye.